Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Just after three o'clock, how are you? Gregor? Connor Howie on uh, Orders Nation YouTube, Facebook, of course, here on Sports 1440. We, as always, appreciate uh, you listening or uh, watching uh, with the show. Uh, do want to, we got so many texts to get to, man. The tech people are hot. I love it. Everybody's got uh, opinions on everything. Uh, AJHL has people uh, fired up. Um, it's great. Well, uh, see, hey, Gregor, it's not great for the 20 year olds. We're hoping to go to the RBC, awful way to finish your career. Well, for, I guess, the few on the one team, right? Because there's only one team that was going. And, and I, I, we'll see what happens here. I don't, um, I, you know, both sides have gone quiet because I, th- I think there might be, you know, some saying, Hey, I'm not sure you can do that. Can you just suspend us? Did we do anything that, uh, that broke the rules in season? We will, uh, we'll have to see. It's, um, you know what? It it might get a little. I I wonder if if the courts get involved. I have no idea. I have no idea. But I just with all the quietness, I'm wondering. We'll see. Let's welcome in uh, to the show our uh, regular Monday and uh, Thursday co-host, of course, uh, uh, eighth overall draft pick in 1995, right here in Edmonton. Went to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, played in the NHL for a bit. Uh, played minor hockey. Career ended due to an injury. Although it did come back 21 years later out of retirement recently. Uh, two-time author, actor in Shorzy, Terry Ryan joins us. TR, how are you? How was your weekend? Oh, it was good. It was uh, a nice, relaxing weekend. I, I got together with a few friends. The, the few beers I did have were at um, at a fundraiser for my old minor hockey, Mount Pearl minor hockey. So it was nice to go up. It was, I mean, barring everything that happened the week before, which was awesome to catch up with old friends and from all over the planet, but but this was scheduled anyway. It had nothing to do. One wasn't connected to the other. I just went up uh, to, to support my old minor hockey system, and it's wild, man. You've seen people you haven't seen in 30 years and stuff. It's wild. Oh, yeah. Um, did you give them a signed uh, TR uh, Growlers jersey? <laughs> there was, well, there, was, there were some things on hand for me to sign to raise money, yes. I signed a lot of things, but uh, not, not a... Uh, an official Growlers jersey, no, oh. but that's coming. Oh, okay, yeah, I would, uh, I would think so. Um, 
The Edmonton Oilers, lots of news. Of course, they win again. Uh, the first Canadian team to ever win 13 in a row. First ever Western Conference team. Uh, first team ever outside the Eastern time zone to ever win 13 in a row. And I thought they, like Dan Vladar kept that game close early on, man. He was lights out in the first period. The Oilers, after having some missed starts, uh, they came out ready to play in that game. And then, you know what? They got a, a lucky bounce on Sam Gagne's goal from behind the net, but you'll take it as anybody who likes to score. You never, you never put one back, uh, when it goes in like that. And then they add Corey Perry. So first of all, let's start with the winning streak, TR. Like they got three games this week. Are they running the table to 16? I, I was just going to say that I think they are. I think we're going to get to 16. You, you know, obviously you don't like to look ahead as a player or, or even someone in our position, just speculating as a, uh, as an analyst or what have you, but still, I mean, given what they've already done, Stranger things have happened as they did at the beginning of the season, but given what they've already done, I would think that they get there and it should be real interesting. I think it's the Golden Knights, correct? That comes at the 17th game. Am that, I wrong? That would be number 17. Okay. Well, I mean, this is exciting. I like stories like this mid-season. Like I was saying, I really enjoy when the when when the Canadian teams play against each other, especially when the Leafs or Habs go out west. But this is another, you know, made for TV kind of moment. Like I just find I've often said it, the regular season is very long in the NHL for the fans and for the players. Time-wise, um, hard on the body, mentally, all that stuff. You need to reset in the playoffs, but it's nice to have meaningful games during the year uh, for, for everybody involved. And I, I think we might get there uh, in a, what is it, four or five days? Is it this Sunday or Monday? Well, they uh, no, they'll play Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, right? So uh, it'd be six. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, but when, when's the Golden Knights? Oh, that's not until like February 6th because it's the bye week and the All-Star break. So. Yeah, the All-Star. Sorry, sorry, I forgot that. Well, I guess it remains to be seen. You don't want to count chickens before they hatch, but I think they're in a great position to, you know, do something remarkable. Uh, that They've already done that, but I, I think they're in the position to possibly pull this off, and it's an interesting story for the hockey world. Well, it, uh, you know what? You don't see streaks like this very often. And uh, enjoy it while you can. We know, hey, history tells us eventually it's going to end. You don't know when. Like, it would be crazy. Like, if, if to break the record is, it would be amazing. Right? Just, just to see it. I love records being broken. I don't care whose record it yeah. is. Like, like, I never thought anybody would come close to Gretzky's. And, you know, Ovechkin's had slow. So now all of a sudden it's like, geez, can he get it there? We never know. So, um, if a team, I don't care what team it is. I remember when Columbus got close. I was fat. I was watching Blue Jackets games in 2017. I still remember it. I was like, how is this possible? This team couldn't win to save their life. And now they won 16 in a row is great. So. You know, if the orders can can get to 17 or 18 or not, like it's a story people because then what happens is some fans are watching around the league just for them to lose because they're like, God, I don't want to hear about it anymore. So it becomes kind of fun either side, especially given what they did at the beginning of the season, you know, how they performed. And again, there was bounces. They were definitely underachieving. We all know that now. I think we all knew it then. Really? I don't think they were ever as bad as they might have let on at that point. Um but to me, that's what makes the story remarkable. Whatever happens here historically, it's already history, right? No matter what way you look back, now they're going for it. Uh, the light's at the end of the tunnel, whether they do it or not. You know, they've got not only their personnel and, and, and how unique that is with arguably, I, I don't think there's much of an argument, but the best hockey player on the planet attached to it. It's always nice. But to me, it's the story where they came from. I mean, just think, they, they're one of the teams that have fired their coach this season. That. Without getting into all of that, it's just amazing that that happens 
And then here we are with virtually the same team. And a lot of those holes that people said needed to be filled, although I do think they need to add some things. You know, goaltending, for example, it just turned around. <laughs> you know, it just, you know, um, omitting Campbell from the conversation, and he's doing better. If people pay, are paying attention, he's doing pretty well in yes. the minors, yeah. right? Lots of people know how to shoot down there. You know, I often said if you take all those skills, um, you know, it's obviously a different league, but I remember being in the minors, and, and you know, if you, if you watch, there, there's NHL shooters down there, of course, right? They just got to work on a lot of other things, and I think it's a real good sign now. We've got a, 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 a pretty big sample size the last little bit, 10 or 11 games, 12 games with Campbell, and he's playing pretty well. So that's also a good sign. Oh, yeah, no question. It's uh, Well, it's one where we'll, we'll see because it's not just as simple as saying, hey, if Campbell keeps playing well, recall him. Because if you're going to recall him, then they have to mm-hmm. understand there's the risk of putting Pickard on waivers. And let's say Campbell comes back here and all of a sudden it's like, oh, geez, it's the NHL and, and he's not ready, even though we think he is. But uh, but he's not. So um, we'll see how it goes. Right. Um, I, I w- And I think after the trade deadline, Terry, when teams out there that were looking for goalies might have went out and got one, there might be a lower chance of uh, of somebody taking them, but then there's also expanded rosters, and if they have you know the extra cap space, then maybe they could. So, like I think Campbell's probably going to have to have another month long run before he, the, before they give him any real serious consideration, or an injury occurs. I I agree, uh, but put it this way: it's nice that he's doing he's holding up his end of the bargain here, right? It's like it's nice now. All of a sudden, you see some level of extended solid statistics. Because to me, it's all between the ears with that guy. He's got the talent. It seems to me, we, you know, and a lot of other people, that he gets down a little bit easy and maybe, you know, he, he hears footsteps in the net. But, uh, you know, this is good. Easy, I don't care. I know it's in, it, you might say as a hockey fan, well, the AHL might be a quote-unquote easier league. Okay, I don't care what it is. He goes down, and, and if he's known to really check himself under pressure – and he's down there making all that money in the minors each time he's gone in the net for the last couple months. It's the same thing, right? He's still feeling that pressure. And if he can put it together, I mean, what would have happened? Oh, God, the pitcher on, on, on Toronto, uh, Alec Manoa. Yeah. Right? He goes down to, like, Florida, some, <laughs> some like, teenager league. I don't think I'm exaggerating. I think it's yeah. the lowest of the low. Florida Complex League, I think it was called. Right? Now he yeah. doesn't do well. He bounces around the minors. He... He doesn't know what to do. He's taking a deep breath. He's still chasing, hearing footsteps on the mound. But for a guy like Campbell to go down in the very similar position, right? And I do find goaltenders similar to pitching in a lot of ways. Right? You, you, you're, 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 um, you're easily blamable if you lose. And for good reason with those guys. I'm just saying that it doesn't always work to send someone down and think it's an easier league so they're going to do better. But this guy, you know, has the... At least we know he has the mental capacity to give his balls a tug, for lack of a better phrase, and go down and, and uh, you know, put in a put in a worthy performance one way or the other. Yeah, we'll, we'll kind of see where it goes. Now we get to Corey Perry, Terry. And, you know, this is his 19th NHL season. Uh, he, he spent the last few months away, um, you know, talking to counselors. You know, he had mentioned uh, before he left that, uh, you know, his – uh, he's going to talk to counselors for mental health as well as uh, substance abuse issues. And you know what? Um, I, I'm not one to, 
yeah, players are, you know, hockey's public eye. I, I don't need to know, you know, what the substance is that he was using or not. If it's alcohol, you know, I can probably guess, but you know, that the part's irrelevant to me. Um, is he a happier person? You hope so. Um, is he a better husband? Fa- uh, you know, uh, father, you hope so. And, you know, we'll see uh, what happens. He seemed like he was in a good, in a good spot today. Um, didn't do anything illegal uh, in Chicago. And, you know, we'll see where he fits in in Edmonton. Um, I, I still view him more as a bottom six, and there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like some people think, oh, he can play in the top six. He hasn't played in the top six in quite a few years. I'm not sure he's a top six guy right now. Um, could he moonlight there for a game or two? Sure. But, like, I don't think he's going to be a regular shift on your top six every night in the playoffs, but I, I think he could be a very useful piece in your bottom six. And he has elements to his game that no one else in the order's bottom six has. Yeah. I, I think if it's me, I only saw bottom six there. Not that he can't do it, but I think they, what the, what do they need? I think they need him in the bottom six. And I think it's a great signing. Uh, we talked about it a little bit in, in previous podcasts. We didn't dwell a lot on it, but I remember um, speaking about it a little bit, and look, yeah, I don't, I don't care what he did. Doesn't matter. I don't even want to hear it anymore. It doesn't. It doesn't. Even, obviously, we know the major parts of, of the story. There's a substance thing there that he's addressing head on. Uh, it wasn't criminal. He seems to be forgiven, but by everybody around him, it seems that way. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, I, I know the Oilers would have done a lot more homework, like they should. And look. I hate to judge people on one incident in, what did you say, 19 years? And that's his NHL career. In junior, he had the same thing. Uh, Team Canada playing with passion. I remember seeing him and Mike Richards fight in the OHL. Like two yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. That? yeah, After they played together. And like this guy, he's just a passionate guy for hockey. And what else do you want? You go to the base, there's track records proven. He got the one cup, but he's also been on teams that have taken giant runs into the playoffs. Some that have exceeded all kinds of expectations. It's one thing to play and get a few playoff games. It's another thing to get to the Stanley Cup finals with a team that should never have been there. Let's think uh, Montreal Canadiens a few years ago. Uh, so I, I, I think it, it not only does his track record as a, Goal scorer, Hart Trophy winner, all that speaks for itself early in his career. And, of course, that's still in there. But for me, and a guy who wants to be a role player after all that, how many players? I don't know. From There's not many. Steve Eisenman. I, you know, you can go down the list of, of players that went from being one of the best players in the league to a real good role player that wanted to do it. Like, I want to do it, right? Yeah. And I, I love Joe Thornton. Thornton wasn't quite as good as Perry is this late in his career at being that you know, how am I, how am I going to contribute? Right now, I love love Joe Thornton. And right till the day he retired, he was still one of the best pastors, passers I, I could, uh, you know, have the privilege to watch. But Corey Perry brings that element. It's a playoff element. It's an element that a lot of teams need that a lot of teams don't have. And from from Christmas on, you know, you see a lot of teams that try to add players and who's going to make an impact, who's not. But I don't know. This This, to me... At the end of the season, looking back, I think this might be one of those pivotal moments in the Oilers' team uh, in, in the Oilers' season. But not only that, it might be one of the best moves uh, to pad the lineup going into the playoffs. Who knows? That's what I think. 
Jason Greger, Terry Ryan with you. Lots of text line in, 833-401-1440. Uh, hey, guys, as an Oiler fan, I have to admit, I'm torn to cheer for Barry. I do want to say uh, his answer made me laugh when you asked him about the 2017 goal. It's true. I hated the goal, but I understand for him. He's like, hey, I had no problem with it. League had no problem with it across the line. <laughs> so, uh, and it's true, right? I thought I'd ask it, have a little fun with it. And, um, you know what? People, oh, I don't want to cheer. Yeah, sure. You know, I asked Darnell Nurse about it. He goes, of, it's, you think it's not, and Terry, you could attest to this. It's awkward for some guys the first time they come in a room against a team that they didn't like. For sure it is. But then it, you know, it, it glosses over, right? I had that happen to me in junior, actually. Um, you know, and then turns out the guy that I fought, you know, him and I, like, we hate each other. You're young, 17, 18. It wasn't like we're chummy. And uh, we became really good friends afterwards. So, you know, when, when guys in the room, it's even awkward for a bit. So I can understand if a fan's like, God, I hate cheering for, like, I hate Corey Perry. And now he's on your yeah. team. You're like, okay, but he's an oiler and you've cheered for the orders. It's kind of how it works, right? Like you, you might not cheer as rapidly aboard him until he scores a playoff goal. Then all of a sudden the fans are like, I love Corey Perry. And that's, it's kind of how it is. But I don't, I don't think fans should be all like worried if like, God, it's, it's going to be awkward for the first bit cheering for a guy who I used to hate. Well, of course it is, but you'll probably get over it. It, it won't be as hard as you think because you've done it with Cassian, right? Like order fans hated Cassian, especially yeah. when he slashed Gagne in the face and then kind of mocked them afterwards, right? People hated Cassian. Then he came to Edmonton. He grew the chops out and a lot of, and then he scored the goal. He's celebrating with a fan. And all of a sudden people are like, well, geez, no, I kind of like Zach Cassian, right? Like it's, it's easier to like a pest when he's on your team. Cause you're just like, well, now I kind of like how he plays, but you hate it when he does it against you. That's just normal. And a pest has the ability to bring the team closer quicker. Yes. Right? There's so much news and noise around them that when he gets into the room, and you can often say it's like momentum, it's harnessing energy the right way. And I think, you know, he's a good leader, from what I know, that can do that. But, you know, a guy like that comes in the room and he can either suck all the energy out or add a whole lot of energy to it. And that's what I see here. I do. And, and not only that, we're all, most of us, we should be as, as as Canadian hockey fans. The guy's represented us so much on an international level and put everything into his game. Wherever he's played, he, he's gone out of his way. Of course, that's a way he plays. But wherever he's played, he's given it 110%, okay, to go with the old cliche. So I I think most fans, I, I know what you're, what you're thinking because it's Corey Perry. I think most fans might have maybe at first seen more of the pest than the hero, but again, in this situation, I really do like. And he he doesn't have a track record of being a bad teammate or doing things similar to the nature that just happened. At least not on a public level, and certainly not pissing off his teammates. It doesn't seem like that. So, I think everybody knowing that might add even more energy to the room. Like I think people look, people can identify everything that he's, you know, had to pay the piper here for it. I think most people can identify. Really, come on! You never got, you never had a few too many and did something stupid, or you know, a after a, you know, it could be the best kind of position. You could be the best kind of person, and it could probably be not on the level that he did it on. But come on, if you can't identify with someone making a mistake that isn't criminal, that wants to join a team, you know, that team it might be your workplace, or it might be, I don't know, your intramural soccer team. I don't know what it is, but people can identify. Right. And now he's happy about moving on and, and he's faced criticism head on and all that adversity. I think he can absorb up and make into a uh, 
you know, a huge positive snowball heading into the playoffs. Jason Greger, Terry Ryan with you. We'll take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, speaking of a huge snowball, this guy is a snowball himself, just rolling, absolutely crushing teams. We'll talk about him next on The Gregor Show, presented by PlayAlberta.ca. 3.30. God, I love that song, man. Oh, every time it comes on, it's because you fired up. It's great. Welcome back. Monday afternoon. We'll get a little bit more into the uh, NFL later on. We've talked about the AJHL. We'll talk about it again in the uh, in the 4 o'clock hour. Of course, um, five teams are leaving the AJHL uh, next season, although at least for the time being, the uh, the league decided that they're, they've suspended games involving those five teams, Black Falls, Brooks, Sherwood Park, Okotoks, and uh, Spruce Grove. Um, but they can play each other head to head. It's kind of a weird situation. So, well, uh, you know, there's anywhere between 14 to some teams had 12, some teams had 14 games, 16 games remaining. So, you know, worst case scenario, those uh, 11 remaining teams will just probably redo their schedule and play each other to get in the 60 games. And uh, those other five teams could probably just play a tournament themselves for their fans. So it's not ideal. Um, they, the the thing was the league knew that the five teams were leaving. It's just when it became public, all of a sudden they're like, well, now we're going to react this way. That's, that's the part I don't understand, right? This was not a shock that the AJHL had never heard of. And it was just like a bomb went off in their office and they're like, what? That's not how it happened. So that's, uh, that is unfortunate for, uh, for all the players involved. Uh, no question about it. Uh, as we go around the NHL now brought to you by McDonald's and they want to congratulate all those who played in minor hockey week. Of course, McDonald's a huge sponsor as all their uh, local Edmonton area restaurants are independently owned and operated. Big sponsor of Edmonton minor hockey week. Congratulations to all the teams who played and a little extra bonus to those who ended up winning in, uh, in their bracket. Right, because I know there's multiple brackets for multiple age groups, so it's a lot of fun. Hope you had a great time. That's McDonald's. As uh, Corey Massasak uh, joins us from the Denver Post, talking about the uh, Avalanche and hey, speaking of a guy who's having a great time right now, Nathan McKinnon is on fire. Like you look at just his last 31 games, so he had a 19 game point streak where he scored 36 points. Then he went scoreless on December 29th against St. Louis, and now he has an 11 game point streak again. So really, has 30 point 30 of his last 31 games he has a point. He has 57 points in those 31 games. Corey, now McKinnon's been one of the best players in the league for a long time, but. From a distance, and I'll be honest, like I always liked watching Colorado. I've been watching more of their games. He seems like he's even gone to a new level this year. Yeah, I think that's been sort of the the theme. Like, it's it's kind of been hard for people to point out like what he's doing differently, but maybe it's just that he's doing more of what he does best more often. Um, it yeah, I mean, they were, their season was kind of weird at the beginning. It was like. Uh, Miko Rantanen kind of carried the team for like the first month, and then Kale McCarr had a huge month, and since then it's kind of been the Nathan McKinnon show. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, he look he's he's finished second in the Hart Trophy before, um, but you know that's a that's a thing that you know at least for people on the outside, you know, he's never won one, and given the slow start that uh, the guy in your market had, it was sort of like everyone's kind of ears perked up, like, well, okay, maybe this is the year, and. And uh, he's certainly having a year that's going to be worthy of it. Now, you know, what happens over the last half of the season, we'll see. Yeah. No, I, I think right now he'd be my uh, leader, but Kucherov, it's very close. You know, you can throw other guys in there. You know, you're not going to count on McDavid. Uh, you got Matthews, you got Pasternak. 
But uh, right now, to me, you know, Nate McKinnon, I, I think it's his to lose. But now, there's, as you mentioned, there's lots of games left, right? Like, lots can happen. Um, the Avs themselves, like, the, re- the other reason I'd have him as my leader isn't just because of what he's doing individually. It's because... They don't have a lot of depth scoring in Colorado this year, Corey. You watch that team. They, they only have three forwards with more than 26 points, right? Two of them just happen to be, like, up there in 60 and 70 points and ranting into McKinnon. Like, when they won the Cup, they won because they had elite talent, but they had great depth. Their depth seems to have just completely evaporated. What's gone wrong? Yeah, they've had um, – right, the, the, the team from 2022. I, it's an interesting thing here. Like, I, I think – I think some of the guys who are still here from that team, I think they still, com- you know, they're comparing themselves to that team because that team won, and they know that 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 being on that team, they know what it takes to win the whole thing. I don't. This team right now is not as good as that team, but I think the the other part of this is that no other team in the NHL is as good as that team. Like I don't, I, don't, I mean, that team was amazing, you know, one of the best of the last fifteen years. So. Uh, yeah, they haven't. You know, they they did. They spent this off season trying to rebuild the forward depth. Um, a couple of the guys have worked out. A couple of guys have been so so. Um, you know, they they're they're about to get Arturi Lekin and back. He's missed the last thirty five games. He's one of their big depth guys. Uh, Valerie Nachuskin had you know had was having an awesome year, but now he's in the players assistance program. So they, they've they haven't really been able to get those two guys together very much. And I think they think that. You know, they have with Ranton and McKinnon and Drew in the first line, and then you have uh, Lekin and Nachuskin kind of anchoring the second line, and it kind of pushes everybody else down. It starts to look like what they think they want it to be. But, you know, they're, they're may, they may still be in the market for a, a player or two before the deadline as well. Corey, Jonathan Drouin uh, started slow, seems to have had a bit of a resurgence here. How much of that is Nate McKinnon, uh, his junior line mate? Very successful one at that. Uh, and how much is Jonathan Drouin with the mindset and hard work and what what have you? Yeah, it's it's a little bit of everything. He um, he. So for starters, he has said that his wrist is as healthy as it has been in several years. Like he had had multiple years of wrist problems in Montreal. And for a guy with you know that skill level and how everything is sort of tied to his wrist, so you, you could see where. Him just feeling more confident in shooting the puck and more confident in, you know, dangling through guys and all of that. Um, so that's part of it. Uh, part of it is it has been kind of a fresh start here. He, you know, he had kind of things had gone the wrong way in Montreal, and he's been just kind of a different player here. He, even from the first day of training camp, before the, the points started piling up, he just could sort of see he was just happy, like <laughs> you know, every day at the rink. And and look, yeah, you know, look, he's. He's playing with one of his best friends, you know, in, in hockey again. And, you know, like they walk their dogs together, you know, whenever off, away from the ice. And they and they do have a, a definite connection on the ice. Like it's before practice, after practice, in games, you can just you just sort of see um, there's just a thing there. And he has been, I mean, he's been huge for them, not just the points, but just him sort of locking down that spot next to McKinnon and Ranton and has – like that's that can be their top line. They don't need to add another player to put to play with those two guys, and that can sort of like let the rest of the lineup sort itself out. With uh, so many injuries, Sam Malinsky got a chance to play this season and looks pretty good. Do you think he's here to stay? Well, <laughs> that's we're about to find out because Bowen Byram is coming back, uh, probably possibly on Wednesday, and so this will be the first time that they have had their top six guys together since before Sam uh, before Samuel Gerard went in the 
uh, assistance program, which was right around Thanksgiving, I think. Um, Amer- sorry, American Thanksgiving. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, no, I, you know, he look, he has been. They came into the season feeling like they had the best one through six in the NHL, but who the heck was going to be seven or eight or nine? We had no idea. And so, Malinsky is a college free agent that they added. Uh, they picked up Caleb Jones uh, in a trade right before the season started. I'm still not really sure why Carolina just kind of gave up Caleb Jones like that. But uh, those two guys have been pretty good. Malinsky has been you know, very good at times. And so I do think that they're, you know, they, they, they definitely have seven or eight guys that they can play every night. That they, they weren't sure they were going to have that at the beginning of the year. Corey Massasak uh, joins us talking about the uh, Colorado Avalanche. The other big concern, Corey, I would think in Colorado is the amount of starts that their goaltenders have, and uh, in, in Georgiev, and you like he is seven or eight starts ahead of Hellebuck and Stuart Skinner and UC Soros, and so and his numbers aren't great. Now you know we could probably get into the team defense a little bit uh, as well, but what do they got to do here? To, you know, are, are, they got to go out and get a goalie because if they even if they make the playoffs, if they ride him into the ground and he's playing sixty five games, they got no chance in the playoffs. Yeah, it's been an interesting. It was definitely it was like a talking point at the very beginning of the season. Like, he played a ton last year. That was in part because of injuries. Uh, Pablo Franco got hurt, and they just they needed to they, – they felt like they needed to win every game going down the stretch just to get into the playoffs. They ended up winning the division. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of played out the same way. Like, they um, – Franco is out. Like, he's not going to play this year at all. Uh, they brought in um, Ivan Prosvetov right before – like, basically off of waivers the day after all the rosters were set. And, like, he's played – pretty well at time. I mean, he's only, he hasn't gotten very many chances, but when he has played, he's been okay. But the like the last game he played, um, it wasn't okay. And so it, 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 he got pulled against Florida in the first, in the first period. And so, yeah, there, that seems to be sort of an interesting, like, like Chris McFarlane, you know, has, has said that it's concerning, but, but the coach Jared Bednar doesn't, he hasn't been too concerned about it. Um, you know, he said that they're kind of listening to, listening to the player here with and he he's a guy who likes to play a lot so it, it will be interesting I do, I do think that um i think the number one priority at the deadline is probably going to be to get one more forward uh possibly a second line center or maybe it's just a second or third line wing because they definitely like they traded tomas tatar away and really haven't replaced him but yeah what are they going to do in goalie and in goal and can they play somebody else a little bit more the rest of the season is definitely something that people are monitoring Heard any names that maybe goalies are interested in? Uh, not really, to be honest. I, it, that's a weird, right? Like, uh, I mean, they, so one thing in particular here too is that they have no, I mean, they have no cap space. They're 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 basically using Gabriel Landeskog's seven million dollars in you know in, they're up up above the limit as it is already, and they've used up all of that, and so they have like just a tiny little bit from from Franco being on LTIR as well. So it. Well, whoever it's whatever happens, it's almost certainly going to be kind of a money in, money out thing. So it's going to be tricky for them to try to go after anybody, uh, you know, any anybody who has any salary attached to them. It's it's going to be tough. Well, Corey, always going to catch up with you, man. We really appreciate it and uh, enjoy the second half of the season. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. As always, that's uh, Corey Massack joining us from the Denver Post. Uh, Nate McKinnon is having an unreal year. Ranton's good. McCarr's good. But oof. after that, there's a little bit of question marks in, in Colorado. They still got a good team. Obviously, McCarr and Taves, great defense pair. But uh, they've given up probably more than they would like. They're playing their goalie more than they would like. And they're really lacking some some depth scoring on that team. 
right? Like, and I'm not talking like third and fourth line. Like, they just don't have a lot of guys. Like, they only have three forwards over 26 points. Now, two of them are way above, so that helps. But, you know, you'd like to have, you know, a few guys around 35, 40 at this point. And, uh, and they don't got anybody there. So that's, that's a concern. But I'll say this about Joe Sackick and McFarland. I won't be surprised to see them uh, make a move or two. And if they do, because they're top end talent, then they're a legit contender. Uh, and I wonder if Mark Andre Fleury, Terry Ryan, ends up in Colorado. Yeah, I thought that's, I mean, it'd be a good fit, wouldn't it? Um, the thing is, you know, I thought I was trying to come up with things to rant about today. And uh, not that I found one in this particular subject, but even just to you, you know, if, if you were to look at their team and if they were if they were to miss one of their top three players, then they're 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 out. Right. There's no way. Yeah. I mean, they're carrying them this far. I mean, who knows? I'm sure a lot of people have those questions about the Oilers. I think the Oilers are in a little bit better position. But, you know, if those big two I'm talking about super duper stars. So what teams have gone through? Like the Toronto, if you cross over sports, the Raptors might have a championship because of, of of injury. Really, Durant played. I mean, who knows? Like, what what great teams in hockey or all of sports can like afford to lose a major player in the last? Yeah. Am I wrong in being Tampa Bay when they lost Stamkos? Came back and scored like one goal on one shift, and then he was gone the whole playoffs. But was he that? As big for their team, I mean, I don't really know. That well, just, they were lucky because they had Kucherov and they had Hedman and they had yeah. like, they they had five Braden Point. But losing Stamkos obviously hurt them, but clearly didn't hurt them because they they won without him. But um, like they had a lot of depth. It was amazing. So I think you can do it, but it's hard. Like if Colorado lost one of their top guys, they're done. Um, I think like if Edmonton lost McDavid or Drysaddle, could they win a round or two? Yes. Do I think they could win the cup? Probably not. I, I could be wrong. But um, I, I think you lose someone like that, and it's it's really impactful. Uh, Stamkos, when he went down, was probably like the number four or five guy on their team, right? Mm-hmm. And so even though it was good, they still had like their most productive forward, their second most productive forward, their best defenseman, their best goalie. So you know that it would be like like if the Orders lost Hyman right now, that might be the equivalent to Stamkos that year. Yeah, you're right, right? And, and you know what? If I'm an Orders fan. Sort of cut you off there. I just jumped in. If you're an Oilers fan, I am happy with, like, you know, McDavid's McDavid. And Dreisaitl played on one foot a couple of years ago, didn't he? Or, or, or I get years mixed up. But yeah, like, two they're years both ago, proven yeah. that they can do it. Yeah. That's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. If, if you're sitting back trying to assist, assess the situation and your very, very best players have already got a track record of stepping up, then I think you're in a good position. Jason Greger, Terry Ryan with you on Sports 1440. We'll come back. We've got Ryan's rant, Annie Petrillo, and much more on a busy Monday edition of The Greger Show. Presented by PlayAlberta.ca Live on Orders Nation, YouTube and Facebook, and here on Sports 1440. 3.50. Jason Greger, Connor Halley with you uh, rolling through on uh, Sports 1440. Hey, Greger, you're willing to risk the whole season because you only have one goalie? And you don't agree on workload? I'll remind you when Skinner falters because he's tired, Mick. Well, Mick, we look forward to that, you reminding us. I already outlined the order strategy. I don't think it's that difficult. Skinner's going to start 55 to 56 games, which is the same as Hellebuck, probably less than Hellebuck, Gordiev, Demko. The only two top teams in the West whose goalies won't play that much are Vegas because Hill was hurt and Ottinger because he missed a month. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. 
Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That's it. They're not overplaying Skinner. The only way they overplay him is if they do it in the final 37 games. And uh, when they play 37 games in 73 days. And the schedule almost forces them that they can't because they have eight back-to-backs. So there's eight games automatically. So now he's down. There's 29 starts left at max. He's not going to start all of them. So honestly, I think if he starts 22, then he's at 55 games. If he starts 23, he's at 56 starts. 55 and 56 starts is what a lot of starting goaltenders do. Tampa Bay, St. Louis, Washington, all won the cup in the last six years, four out of six with one starting goalie. Colorado's goaltending, I would argue, was a non-factor in the playoffs because they had 902 and 906 save percentage. Ridiculously lower than most other teams winning save percentage by their goalies. Go look at what Tampa's was. Go look at what Vegas goaltending. Look at Aiden Hill's save percentage was. Look at Bennington's. Right? Go go down the list. That that was an outlier. So Vegas, yes, they used two goalies last year. But would they have used Hill if Brassois didn't get hurt? They didn't before. So we'll never know. But I don't think you have to have two goalies. What you need to do is not overrun your first goalie in the regular season. And 55 starts, that's kind of the magic number. Lots of the science guys have looked at it. So orders right now. It's not hard in the second half for Skinner to play 22, 23 games. Now, if they get up to 25 or 6, then we can have the conversation. But right now, it's not an issue. Let's get to uh, Ryan's rant brought to you by Action Electrical. Hey, you need to take action because all the grant savings of 5600 bucks free money if you're going to get solar on your residence, guess what? It ends in March. It's gone. That, that money that you could get today would just vanish and you can't get it after March. So... If uh, you're thinking about it, don't wait any longer. Go to actionelectrical.net. They'll help you out. Here's Terry Ryan and Ryan's rant. Thank you, Jason. So in all the media requests that I answered last week, and a lot of the same themes came up, but I was surprised at how many people got back to me just commenting on Twitter or, or, or 
Instagram or whatever, across all the social media platforms. I mentioned on one or two of the podcasts I went on, my, my memory's a bit blurry. I think it was Pierre Maguire and uh, Jimmy Murphy, maybe, or it was the Roanick podcast. But I mentioned how growing up, I liked the Habs. And of course, that was in my DNA anyway. I mean, osmosis, there you go. Because everybody in my family who watched hockey was a Habs fan, including my dad. So, and you know, as an only child, along with that came studying the the, the team, the the hockey news. You know, it wasn't just the, the TV. It was everything I read. I absorbed a lot to do with the Montreal Canadiens. And... One of my favorite players was Chris Nyland. So I mentioned that, and then a lot of people said, well, yeah, of course, because he was a brawler. And then I was like, well, wait a little bit. And then, you know, I'd love to get a chance to explain that, which I will on one of my upcoming podcasts called Tales with Tierra. New episode out tomorrow. So I I didn't realize, like in my mind, Chris Nyland is a two-way player that – was pretty good that contributed to the Stanley cup winning team that I saw in 1986 as a nine-year-old. I didn't realize how many people only remembered him as an enforcer. Okay. Like I, I didn't realize that. And I, cause I know he's gone through substance abuse problems. He's been very open about it, but a lot of people link that with the fighting. And I don't know if there's such an easy connection and there's so much nuance to all that. Right. There's so much nuance to someone going through those personal struggles, whatever it might be. Right. And they kind of linked it just to the fighting. And therefore, therefore, who am I to say? But in all of this, people are forgetting the numbers. So because obviously in my draft, you know, people ask me and I think that the two names that came up the most were Cam Neely and Rick Tockett because they were the best at what they did. Sure. But Chris Nyland, people forget. Like he went for, first of all, four years at Northeastern. So there is no fighting in college. Chris told me, Adam, I'm again, one or two, like, you know, skirmishes, but he didn't, he wasn't bred. I mean, he's tough part of Boston, of course, lots of street fighting, but he didn't come in. His natural instinct as a hockey player wasn't to be out there brawling people. Um, he, he he defended people more than anything as well. He didn't go out there. I never really, even at the time I was just coming into my, own when it came to like being able to watch a player and absorb what they do and judge for myself. But I never ever saw him as just that fighter that a lot of people do in 83, 84. Think about this man, a crazy era that he played in 76 games played 16 goals, 10 assists, 26 points, 338 minutes. That's 83, 84, 84, 85. He comes back 77 games, 21 goals, 37 points, 358 penalty minutes. He tied Ryan Walter with the same amount of games played that year. And Ryan Walter, no one associates with fighting. Think of him as a good two-way player that contributed to that team that won the Cup. In 85-86, the year they win the Stanley Cup, Okay, he gets 72 games played, 19 goals, 15 assists for 34 points and 274 minutes. And in the playoffs, in 18 games played, he had a goal, two assists, and 141 penalty minutes in the playoffs, even for then, which is unheard of. And most of those times, he's jumping in for his for his players. He was more of a defender and a good teammate than anybody. So much like I don't like to be defined, uh, my hockey legacy, if you want to call it that, is much on a much more minimal level than his, his is. But, you know, 
I mean, I don't even know if you can word, use the word legacy, but what, what do you want people to remember you for? So much as I explained to my daughter after I jumped off the bench and got in that fight, well, it happened as I jumped off the bench, but um, I, I, it, it's much the same as I'm explaining to her that that was just a moment in the game and that, you know, when I was out there and I'd like to be somewhat remembered for being able to put the puck in the net no matter what league I was in. I think the same sort of thing on a relative level that people got to sit back and look at what kind of player he was. He was an impactful player on the Stanley Cup winner. And not only that, who came into the league that year with his first 10 games in the NHL? Claude Lemieux. He was on that team, which is a right winger. Same sort of thing or right shot forward. I mean, they both played wherever. But, but you know, like there's, there's very similar traits. Nylon was one of the people that – I would think, I mean, I, I, I've never asked either guy. I, I, I've been in their same company. I know Knuckles a little bit better. But I would think that Claude Lemieux learned a lot from Chris Nyland. Now, in the last four or five years of Chris Nyland's career, of course, his numbers went down. His Rangers career and his Boston Bruins career are nothing to write home about. And if you, if you pay attention and you watch documentaries and things, you probably see that at that time, he was going through a lot of substance problems. And, 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 you know, who knows? I'm not here to defend those stats. I'm just t- saying that the last four or five years, being remembered for that because he battled through substance, that's one thing. And I'm glad that that story's out there. But I don't think we should get too far away when it comes to Chris Nyland from realizing his place on a Stanley Cup winner in hockey history my part of Montreal Canadiens hockey history, which is deep, whether you love him or you hate him, it's a deep history, and he's still loved by all those alumni guys. I go up there, and I talk to them, and they love Chris Nyland. And the first thing that comes to mind isn't always fighting. It's that he was a pretty good role player that could go out there and do whatever it took for the boys. Now, I just figured I would take this opportunity to mention that because I was surprised when I just peppered it out there ever so slightly in my interviews how many people said, well, he's a goon, or I don't mind the word tough guy, I guess, but Chris Nyland was no goon. He was a, a great hockey player that had an impact wherever he went. Seventh most goals in the Canadians in 1986 with 21. He followed that up with 19 the year after. He had 16 the, the year prior. Right? Uh, yeah, for those three years, like, he was a solid third-line player. Now, the difference was he had 358 PIMS, 338 PIMS, and 274 PIMS. So I think people remember him for the fights because he fought a lot, but he also scored a lot, but... They don't really, you know, the goals don't get on the highlight reels. Is it like if there was goalscore.com, like hockeyfights.com, and you could go to a site that had just played the goals of every player, then I think yeah. you would see more people talking about it. But it's a fair point. Uh, but Chris, I've talked to Chris. We've had him on the show many times. I got to do a one-on-one when he, uh, when he had his documentary come out and I interviewed him right there. And it was pretty emotional, to be honest, because uh, that thing was raw. I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, just yeah. talking about his life and, you know, his dad and everything like that. It wasn't, you know, it didn't have the easiest childhood. It was pretty rough at times for sure. So, um, you know, and, you know, his in-law <laughs> was a mob boss. Like, are you kidding Amazing. me? Like he was, uh, he was not intimidated by anybody. There's, there's no doubt about it, but, uh, yeah, he, he was a player who definitely, you know, to me, I hate to say it, the guys who were the really goons were the guys who played four minutes a night and that's all they did was fight and it sucked. And, you know, yeah. Derek Bugard and those other guys, like Rest His Soul, they hated that job. I don't care. Like that, that happened in the nineties, but in the eighties, like Chris Nyland was a regular shift. He played on their checking line in, in Montreal and he fought and he scored. That's what he did. Yeah. He was quite valuable because he was kind of a unicorn. There wasn't many guys who fought that much and still scored 20 goals. So it's, uh, it was impressive for sure. Let's, uh, let's get to, uh, the con man and, uh, sports 1440 
update brought to you by Fountain Tire. Now, of course, they can get all your tire needs. You've got a flat tire. All of a sudden, maybe you slid into the curb. You need a new tire. Well, guess what? Go to Fountain Tire. They'll help you out there. And, of course, any other mechanical issues, they can help you out. Book yours today at FountainTire.com.